Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeRandall.com slash fitathlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynold Show, we talk about training either movements or muscles or both. The Ask Mike Reynold Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Before we get to the podcast, I wanted to make sure you knew about my free online course on the introduction to performance therapy and training. If you want to learn how to get started optimizing and enhancing performance, this is the course for you. Head to MikeReynolds.com slash performance to sign up today. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. I am here up in Boston at Champion PT and Performance, somewhat um, remote. Some of us are at Champion. Some of us are at home. Actually, it looks like it's just Lisa right now so <laughs> with the mask on. <clears throat> but we are uh, we are coming to you as always from uh, the Boston area here, where we're located. But like always, lately, oh, and here's Mike Scaduto joining us now. Um, as always, we're doing our, our our bit to socially distance and and not do these big engagements like we used to do in person. So we're here answering your amazing uh, physical therapy, fitness, sports performance, all those fun questions. You guys know the drill by now, right? And uh, yeah. How's everybody doing? Great. Great. Good. Great. It sounded like a troll. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing super well. I never, see, I, I feel like just like the standard thing we do in something like this is we have to all say like something and say hi, right? right. But yeah, I feel good. It's a, it's a great day. Great, great day. <laughs> so anyway, all right. So let's get to our first amazing question because all of our questions are amazing because all of our listeners are amazing. But our first question, this is a good one here. I've been excited about this one. Let me see. I'm going to move my screens around. Perfect. All right. First question is from John from California. What's up, John? Uh, John says, I recently saw an online forum with people debating about if we should be picking exercises based on movements and not just exercising muscles. I wanted to hear Champion's thoughts on this question. Thanks. Um, so does anybody know what John's talking about? <clears throat> Like like the forum, I, I mean. <laughs> yeah. So well, I, I I saw this forum too. Dan, did you uh, did you say you saw it? Well, I didn't see the exact forum, but I think this argument's been around for a couple decades, and at least I saw it initially in the strength conditioning world. Um, and what I think they're talking about, and I might be wrong, is that there's this idea that one is more superior to the other, and it's kind of like general strength conditioning versus bodybuilding. You know, bodybuilding's got a terrible rap. And Duesh and I were talking about this the other day. It's, you know, we were kind of fed this idea from reading like testosterone.net, T-Nation, T-Mag, you know, it's different names over the course of time. That, um, you know, if you're training muscle groups, you know, you're doing it wrong. You know, the body is a system of systems. All the muscles are meant to move together. And if you just train movements, you're going to train everything you need to. Um, and what's funny is it created this sense of elitism, I think, in the strength and conditioning community to the point where people are afraid to train their arms and afraid to train, you know, their calves, you know, when it became hips, posterior chain, and that's, 
that's pretty much it, right? We train all of these, these um, movements, but we don't really care about the muscle groups. Um, I could complain about this for a long time, but I know at least for myself, from a rehab perspective and an injury prevention standpoint, we know that strengthening a muscle group has a lot of help, right? It's going to help prevent things like hamstring strain injuries. I don't think that I train my calves for about 10 years and then I end up with chronic calf strains and Achilles issues myself. And now I'm just flipping it completely. I'm just like <laughs> isolating my calves three, four days a week um, because I spent so long trying to work just on movements, you know? So I think there's, there's merit to both of these things. Um, and we probably should get stuck in one category or the other. So I think all the listeners and viewers want to know, how are the calves doing? Oh, they're, they're terrible. They're tiny. They're maybe like <laughs> one centimeter larger after five years of training them, you know, two, three times a week. Which I, I, that. Maybe by the time I'm 90, I'll look like Tilly. I think we could argue. That, I think you just proved the point in the other direction that maybe isolated training doesn't work. But uh, that's fun. it's funny. Everybody wants to talk about biceps and calves, right? Those are like the two, the two ones that uh, that always get. Uh, I, I think they get the. Um, uh, it's the non-functional crowd, right? Mm-hmm. Like that. It's like non-functional. I think that's the one that I tend to get the most uh, uh, heater debate from, I guess, is from this. So, um, yeah, I mean, I saw this post in a forum last week. It was, you know, a group of, of sports physical therapists, and they were, they were kind of talking about it. And, wow, this debate got big. It got long, right? Like people were, I mean, writing thesis-type posts. Um, and it really surprised me because um, – can you argue that an isolated strengthening exercise for let's say Dan's calf is it's plantar flexion, right? So that's a movement, right? So like maybe our issue is like how we're saying train movements, not muscles, but isn't going up on your toes a movement? Who wants to, who wants to talk about the function of going up on your toes or anything or flexion your elbow? Like, I don't know. Anyone got a thought on that? That I that I stir some some brain waves on anyone? No, yeah, we, we I hear it a lot because I tend to get in a lot of ACL discussion. So the big thing is, do you do knee extension exercises after an ACL? You know, never mind the whole um, you know full range of motion versus limited range of motion, but just do you do an isolated knee extension to get a quadricep isolated exercise? Um, I say yes, right? Like, the, what's the best way to isolate the quad? Do a knee extension, but people say that's not functional. How often are you doing a resisted knee extension during the day? Well, <laughs> if you really want to isolate the quad and get the quad the strongest as possible, and you're doing squats and lunges and deadlifts and anything else that's going to help facilitate that, then I think that's the best way to do it. Um, the best way we test quad strength is to do an isokinetic test of knee extension, right? Like that's our best way. We're not measuring uh, necessarily in other ways. We're trying to measure either isometric contraction or iso- isokinetic contraction. So I still am in the camp like Dan. I think most of us are, or all of us are in our group is, is it's a blend of both, right? You do some isolated stuff and you, you also do some movement type stuff. I think it's just kind of common sense. I don't, I don't, I don't understand this debate why it's still kind of lingering out there. I don't know. Does everybody just love debating? Oh, yeah. At this point, yeah. Social media is just chaos. Yeah. (laughs) This particular forum, too. Probably none of them listen to this podcast, but this particular forum, it's like they they have a a hot point of the week, which is like, tell them I'm mad. I, yeah, I mean, maybe that's how we're supposed to grow as a profession. I don't know. It's just, but it's like, hey, let's all talk. Let's throw something out and argue about it for a week. 
you know, like, I don't know, maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that's, maybe that's good, right? I don't know. I don't, uh, yeah. Anyway, I'll stop talking about that, but um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'd love to hear some, like, some other thoughts here. I think Lenny and Dan just said it really well. Like, I think, you know, you guys talked, you know, really good about the importance of both. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe throw it out to Dewesh, who's, you know, our, our fitness director at Champion, but, you know, Dewey, like, for us, right, I think when you're, somebody comes to you healthy, we're going to write them a program that trains movement patterns because we want to enhance their function and functions more movement patterns um, to an extent. But if somebody has an isolated weakness of a muscle, like Lenny kind of said, then we're also going to isolate and strengthen that muscle, right? So I don't know. Can you elaborate on our approach? Like if you're going somebody, bringing somebody through an assessment and you see you know, they, they, they have some weakness. Um, you know, maybe they can't do like a gross movement pattern. What, what would you do? Yeah. I mean, we, we definitely isolate when we need to, right. I think what Lenny and Dan said about doing both that 100% applies to PT and fitness. Um, obviously like we're there to improve performance. And if that means that we isolate, you know, hip extensors a little bit more and hip ERs a little bit more, like that's fine. Um, and then on that same boat, listen, if someone comes in and they say, one of my big goals is I want to have bigger arms because it's going to make me feel better. Yeah, we're going to isolate biceps and triceps. Right? I, I, don't, I don't think that I'm going to like go to jail for doing that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if somebody's an athlete and they, they come to us, right, a champion, <clears throat> we're going to look at the movement patterns that they need to perform to succeed, right? Mm-hmm. And we're going to make those movement patterns as strong as we can, right? But if they also need some isolated strengthening of an area that is a little bit behind, then yeah, there's no reason not to to include that, right? Yeah. So, sure. Dave, what do you think? I've been I've been dying to hear your thoughts here. I know you've been you've been holding back on us. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I I kind of view this on the obviously I came from the rehab side, so it was more in that context first. But now I think about it even more in performance, like kind of to what everyone's saying is, if somebody comes in with a performance goal or has a history of maybe a lower training age, especially like. And say they want to get better at running or jumping, right? Like those are compound movements that require a lot of different things to go well. But if you have a isolated muscle that's significantly weaker than the rest of that entire, you know, limb or, or arm or whatever it is, like that's probably going to be the rate limiting factor for somebody to have a performance, right? If somebody has extremely um, underdeveloped hamstrings because they haven't trained that before and it's just more of like a quad dominant uh, program or like in Dan's case, maybe they just haven't directly trained their calf. Well, we know that running stride is a significant amount of soleus activity and we know that to jump you need really good co-contraction hamstrings glutes er's whatever it is so whether it's somebody you know is just not getting faster or not jumping higher or whether somebody keeps getting like hamstring tweaks or whatever it is i think we know from the the research available now that a lot of this comes down to workload and capacity so if someone has extremely strong quads and extremely strong calves say they are like dan they're training three times a week but they never do specific hamstring training well, the thought process there is like, okay, are you just going to do, you know, split squats and compound movements to try to train that? It doesn't really make sense, right? Like if your car is having issues and the engine is the issue, don't change the muffler, don't change everything else. Try to focus on the one problem area and then work on the whole pieces. So yeah, I've always thought about that in a rehab context, but I think in performance, for some reason, sprinting and jumping makes more sense to people than other areas, but yeah. Yeah. So let me throw it like we could even, you know, ask like Mike Scaduto or Lisa here or something like that. But like, let's say like rowing, for example, rowing's like very, so I'm, I don't know enough about the biomechanics of rowing, but the, um, um, for me, if you think about it, it's, uh, it's like triple extension to an extent, right? So when you see somebody row, right, we, we have two options, I guess, if we're going to use this analogy to rowing, 
right? We can only do a complex multi-joint row and that's the most functional thing for them. Or we can break down that triple extension and, and even more than that and, and say like, well, two out of your three of the triple are really strong and one's a little weak. Let's increase your performance by focusing on that one thing and isolate that. Is that not what we all do, right? It seems like that's what we would do, right? I don't know, Lisa, Mike, I don't know. Lisa, I'd love to hear your thoughts on a rower. Like how many times does a rower come in and you see like a, uh, like a gap like that where there's like one piece of the equation that's weak that maybe is pathological or just weak or how it goes? Probably like 95% of the time. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I've had a rower come to me really yet that there isn't some sort of deficit, even just thinking of that triple extension like chain, right? Like I, it's, it's only like really true elite rowers have I seen like really good activation through the full chain in that way. Um, and even then, there's usually, like, pieces that are better than others. So when we're talking performance, like, you would still, you know, focus more individually on one group or one muscle to make it all function better. Um, yeah, I mean, as as everybody's been talking, I've definitely been thinking I, I really don't think I've worked with an athlete yet who wouldn't benefit from some more isolated training to make the overall picture better. Like even if they're generally a strong person or a healthy person or good mover, like usually there's something that you can improve their overall like explosiveness or, you know, like stability or something by isolating, like, you know, for, for rowers, for example, we, we move forward and backwards. We never move side to side. So the second you ask anyone to move side to side, like there's deficits and working on those, whether it rotationally or laterally, like improve their ability to move forward and backwards, you know? So it's, it, it, I don't think it's ever not helpful to, to isolate things. Nailed it. And I think that's like, that's kind of the key to me is, is, is making sure that we break down all these activities, like a functional movement has isolated components to it. So, you know, interesting, but Dewesh, did you have something else you wanted to add? Len, yeah, Lenny's such a microphone hog. That's, that's <laughs> well, I was, was, was going to say, I feel like we're speaking in a vacuum. Like we just, we just do one thing and then that's the only thing right. that we do. You know what I mean? Like there's a progression, there's months of strength training that's going on. At some point you're going to do isolated stuff, right? And then you move on. You're not always doing knee extensions, you know? I mean, I, I do a lot of knee, ex I actually kind of do after an ACL, they're doing knee extensions from like early on till very late, but it's a, I want to talk in a vacuum. There's a progression, a regression. There's, there's always uh, it's a fluid dynamic thing, you know? So to speak in, in these, you know, uh, extremes, it just doesn't even make sense. Yeah, yeah, that, I think makes, that's, that makes sense. Sorry, Mike, go ahead. I think that's a great point that Lenny just made. I mean, if, if we're looking to, from a rehab perspective, especially post-operatively, it may be a little more clear-cut what the deficits are. Obviously, the people, every, pretty much everyone comes out of uh, ACL reconstruction with a weak quad. And part of our goal as physical therapists is to get them ready to do more functional movement patterns in the gym. So we have to spend that time doing the isolated strengthening of the quad. Otherwise, they're, they're never going to be able to tolerate a split squat or a you know, heavy-loaded uh, front squat or something like that. So I think it is a continuum that, you know, it depends where the person is along that, that, uh, that will change our emphasis on what we're doing. But I think it's obviously a component of, of both and, and all training principles kind of combined into, uh, into one progressive plan. Man, that sounded intelligent. I, I, I heard <laughs> continuum and man, good. 
that's what I wanted to say. I wanted to throw some big words out there. That was um, your your dichotomy of your paradigm shift narrative was quite conclusive. Actually, if, if anyone's watching, if anyone's watching the YouTube version, you can't see my mouth moving. So it actually wasn't even me talking. <laughs> you, <laughs> you said that. You, you, so Mike's wearing a mask because he's at work right now. But that's funny. He you pre-recorded that earlier in the day and just just hit. <laughs> took you like t- like ten takes. That's awesome. I'm reading off a teleprompter. <laughs> uh, Dwesh, you want to close this out with any final thoughts? Yeah, I think I do have like a quick closing remark. I think like one of the biggest misconceptions is people people think like when we start talking about isolated training that that's all that's happening and it's like a big percentage of our training, right? If I look across like the board for all of the programs that we have for the fitness side of our things is we're probably doing isolated movements for five to 10% of our training, right? Like the other 90% we're doing, you know, big major movement patterns that are quote unquote functional, all right, if we're still using that term, but I think people just get the fact messed up that, you know, if we start talking about isolated training, that, that's all we're doing. Right. But if I like look across the board, like we have athletes that will do isolated rotator cuff strengthening, they will do, you know, clamshell variations to work on hip rotators, like all that stuff is there, but it's a small percentage of our overall training, right? It's just a small piece of the puzzle. Um, and I think that's like the biggest thing to keep in mind. Yeah. And, and you know what, that kind of makes sense. It goes kind of with what Lenny said too. I bet you on our perspective with an injured person, especially over the spectrum of their injury, like perhaps acutely we're doing, we're doing 80% isolated strengthening and 20% integrated. And then that starts to slowly evolve. I guess the debate comes down is like, if you are literally only doing knee extension for 12 months after ACL reconstruction, that's it. But who on earth is doing that? Right? Like (laughs) nobody's doing that. Right? Like that's like, we hope so man, I don't know. I think we, I think we, we solved the debate here today, everyone, but no, uh, no, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think, I think we bring good perspective. I think the issue isn't necessarily on the concept. The issue is probably on, on the debate itself, right? Is that it's a, it's a false debate of something that we're really not even debating. It's, it's an integration of all these things. So um, I always say that, I mean, I actually, I posted this in the forum, but it's like, look, we, we, we strengthen isolated weakness and we train movements right? So maybe that's another concept too, strengthening our training. Like training is like, I want to get somebody to be faster, stronger, more powerful in a certain movement pattern. Whereas I want somebody to get isolated, strong in like dance calves, right? So something like that. So that's how we would like put it all together. So I'd train Dan's vertical jump and Dan's going to isolate it, strengthen his extremely small sized calves that he has. So if you try to like put all that together, it's, that's our debate together. So Hopefully this helped. If you have questions like that, please head to the website, head to MikeRinald.com, click on that podcast link, and you can keep asking away anything you want to talk about related to these types of things. Hopefully we'll get to. And in the future, please head to iTunes, Spotify, rate and review us, and we will see you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRinald.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeReynolds.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.